Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast. Let's face it, there are over 2 million podcasts that have been launched in the last several years, and yet, here you are listening to this show again. Or, if it's your first time here, welcome. I hope you'll go and subscribe and listen to a lot more episodes. We are seven years and almost 700 episodes in to Making Waves at Sea Level, which I originally called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And along this seven-year journey, I have had the honor to interview business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and a lot of people who I've admired from afar. And so today's guest is somebody who I have always said, wow, and I'll tell you more about him in just a second. But first, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. Hey, and in full disclosure, I work for Stanton Chase. I do business development for them. So if you're a company who's looking to fill a VP level or a C-level position and you're going to talk to an executive search firm, why in the world would Stanton Chase not be on that short list? You can find me on their website at stantonchase.com. All right. So today our guest is Mark Victor Hansen. Now you've heard that name before, unless you've been living under a rock for the last 30 years. Mark Victor Hansen is one of the co-authors of the series Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I actually, when I first decided, you know what? I want to be an author and a speaker. I'd written my first book, but I didn't really know how to market the book. I didn't really know what to do. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could leave corporate America and just go around and speak at companies and at association meetings? That would be a lot of fun. I actually attended a seminar in Los Angeles, and I'm thinking this had to be, I don't know, uh, 2009, 2008, something like that, that Mark put on. It was the mega book seminar, something along those lines. And there were like a thousand people in this ballroom and I learned so much. And I actually went home and put some of it into practice. And within a year I was working as a full-time speaker. So although I don't know Mark, we don't hang out and have expensive wine together, but we should. Uh, he has always been someone I've given some credit to that he inspired me and got me going. So if you don't know Mark, Mark has sold over 500 million books. I think I've seen a statistic that says only the Bible has sold more books. Around the world, he is the best-selling author. He himself has been the author or co-author of over 300 books. And get a load of this. I am really proud of the fact that I've given 1,000 corporate speeches in my career. Mark has given over 6,000 corporate speeches in his career. Now, to his credit, I think he's one or two years older than I am, but he is a speaker extraordinaire, a prolific author, one of the best, the best-selling author around other than maybe God, and 
He's a really nice guy. Mark Victor Hansen, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Wow, what a nice introduction. Thank you. I hope I can live up to that great. The best thing I can do, the joke is, is, is sit down after a great introduction like that, that. that. That's right. We're done. Thank you for listening to the show, everybody. You know, so... So, Mark, I want to go back because I know a little bit of your backstory. I've been a little bit of a fanboy for a long time. But let's go back 40 years. Where did 45 years? Where did you start your career? You you obviously, you know, didn't weren't born one of the best selling authors ever. What, what did you start doing and how did you get into this world of writing and speaking? Uh, I went bankrupt. It was my best, worst experience. I uh, went bankrupt so fast that I was building. I've been in graduate school with a. Buckminster Fuller. Dr. Fuller was arguably Einstein's best guy. Introduced me to geodesic domes. I hung out with Bucky seven years, but he also said, let's make the world work for 100% of humanity, which I'm doing nowadays. We can talk about later, but I'm doing $2 million worth of domes. I'm 26. I'm eating at top of the sixes. I'm in New York City. I'm a young hotshot, but the dangerous thing I did, and I didn't see it, was I was building out of plastic PVC polyvinyl chloride and blew it out. In one day, I couldn't get $40,000 a month worth of product. I mean, it's sort of like the supply chain stuff we're having today. And I went, I was so broke so fast. I had a, I went to the biggest library in the world, New York library. I'm sure you've been in front of it. Uh, and I checked a book out of the library, how to go bankrupt by yourself. <laughs> you, you couldn't even afford a lawyer to take you bankrupt. Well, not only that, when I get to the court steps, a lawyer's out there said for $300, blah, blah. I'll take you bankrupt. I said, buddy, if I had $300 right now, I wouldn't be going bankrupt. <laughs> so, you know, it was my best worst experience for six months. I'm sleeping in, in a sleeping bag in front of another guy's bedroom. And I kept asking God, you know, cause we wrote this book that sort of explains that ask the bridge from your dreams, your destiny and speaking and writing are my destiny, obviously and entrepreneurship. And I um, said, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? Let me just get clear. Tell me, and God said, no, God does it the other way. You got to get definite with the infinite is my teaching. And, and I said, he said, what do you want to do, Mark? And I go, uh, I want to talk to people that care about things that matter that make a life transformative difference. He said, okay, go do it. Miracle number one. Miracle number two, I'm living in Hicksville, Long Island, New York for $100 a month. So you can see things are not going too well in that sleeping bag. I go down to my three roommates and I say, boys, any of you know anybody young that's speaking that's not a lawyer, doctor, celebrity, Broadway star, or famous person that I could relate to? Guy said, yeah, there's a kid out in Hopog, Long Island, New York, who you've heard me talk about before, Chip Collins. He is a, he's older than you, but he's a sensation. He was a top salesman at Kodak and now speaks. Here's my ticket. I can't go. I mean, miracle number two. I mean, this is like bing, 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 bing. God told me figure out what I want, and I'll help you so, get there. So, so your roommate had an extra, your roommate had an extra ticket to a speech the guy was giving. You couldn't have afforded to buy the ticket, and the Bingo. ticket appeared. God, I love that. Bingo! I'm, I'm I'm there. I'm mesmerized. Now I had a beat up old Volkswagen. The bankruptcy court did not take it. That's the only thing I had. And I drive out there. He wows. It's the worst economic interest rates twenty eight percent. Nobody's buying real estate. And Chip Collins was funny. He was light. He was excessively bright. I go up to him at the end and I say, look, I want to do what you do. He said, look, kid, chance you make it is one in a thousand. It ain't going to happen. So um, go do something real. I said, no, no, I'll buy your lunch. I, I don't know how I scrounged the money, but I did it. Um, I said, just tell me how to do it. He said, you stay out of real estate. I own the five boroughs here of New York. You go do life insurance and I'll tell you what to say. He gives me four questions, tells me how to go out. 
I didn't own any life insurance. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know a premium, a CLU. I knew zero. Anyhow, I, I ended up doing a thousand talks a year the first three years and did a little book called Stand Up, Speak Out, and Win. And we sold 20,000 copies to little audiences of six, 10, or 12, or 20, up to 50 ones. And uh, one with 50, they bought 37 books. I went, oh my God, I'm rich. Because the book was like $10 a book time. I sold 200,000 books first year. And that's 200, I, sorry, I sold 20,000 at $10. That's 200,000. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. And the only mistake I made, which I'd talk to any you and everybody else, is write more because you can't sell it if you haven't finished it. And, and you can co-author it, you can ghost it, you can do anything you want. But, you know, I wrote it down and, and did it and started speaking. And, and uh, I, I think you can tell I love to speak. Well, I just told my word the my wife the word she didn't know loquacious and she said I think that must be you I said it's me <laughs> yeah she she didn't know the word but she married it so uh, so I love I love that story about sort of hitting the low and then things coming forward and you talked about the fact that you know you you asked you asked Chip Collins you asked God you asked your roommates uh, this is a book that you and your wife released last year called Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. So really quick, let's talk a little bit about why asking is so powerful. Well, here's the deal. Everybody has a destiny. You were coded at DNA and RNA at birth, I believe. And what happens is most people say, no, I was trained as an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever the heck you're trained as. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm keen on garbage people. I'm keen on tech people. That's, right now we're short of them in Arizona where I live in Scottsdale. But the fact of the matter is everyone's got a destiny. And we teach you got to ask questions, ask yourself like I ask. Myself, what do I want to be? Ask others. I asked Chip Collins. Ask God. Okay, Big G, what is it? Or, you know, universal intelligence, if people don't like that word, there's 367 words for God, infinite wisdom. Whatever you love to have, you use the word, make you happy, right? All I want to do is have you get the concept so you understand you got to ask. Those are the three channels to ask. And and when you ask, A-S-K-U-G-E-T in life, and in business, and in sales, and in marketing, corporation. And because this is, let's go with the C-suite, most people are not asking for enough inside their job or inside the company or inside what their company could do locally, nationally, internationally, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I know that sounds judgmental, but all I want to do is make people do one of the new books I got out is how to think bigger than you ever thought you could think, right? It makes sense to me. Why not think, if, if you're going to think, even, you know, a, a former president said, you might as well think big. It doesn't cost any more. So I love that title, How to Think Bigger Than, Than You've Ever Thought Before. And it, it really resonates with me as sort of a solopreneur who's a speaker and author. I think I've maybe been held back because I haven't thought big enough. But really, if we take this to companies and we can talk mid-sized companies, we can talk Fortune 1000 companies, you have the same advice for the leaders in that company, right? You would tell leaders and companies they're not thinking big enough. So let's let's take this to the corporate side because we call the show Making Waves at Sea Level. So let's look at these C-level executives, these CEOs, these CFOs, these CMOs, et cetera. Where are they not thinking big enough and how should they be thinking? Okay, so I was on the board of the world's biggest airline, Evergreen Airline International, McMinnville, Oregon, and they had a little place here in Marana in Arizona. And the chairman of that heard me talking. He said, oh, my God, you got to talk to all my 500 people. And I said, his name is Del Smith. I Later, I won the Horatio Algier Award, and then Wally Famous Amos and I got him into it. Ten of us win it a year. You get it in the Supreme Court until now of COVID, of course, and you get a gold medal put on by Chief Justice Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. And, and But this guy, 
was told again and again, everybody in corporate gets told no. Everybody everywhere gets told no. Everyone everywhere gets rejected. That's why we said, look, there are seven roadblocks you've got to overcome in our ass book. But the point is, he was told, he joined, Dell was uh, born in 1938, I think it was, and they, he wanted to fly his whole life. So he goes into the Air Force to become a pilot right after he graduated college, and they find out he's colorblind. They say, I'm sorry, Dell, but you are not going to get to fly. He said, no, 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 you can't tell me whether I can fly or not. So he gets out of the Air Force, not having been able to fly, but been trained as a top leader, and he buys his own helicopter and starts flying and starts putting helicopters over farm ground to keep the heat down when it gets cold at night. He did innovative stuff again and again and again. Built the world's biggest privately held airline, had me on the board with Wally, and he had crazy speakers on for 15 years because guys like you and I are here to disrupt the norm. Well, we just do it this way. It got so big. We had every UPS plane was owned by us. We called the Big Brown. Our pilots all wore Big Brown outfits, but it didn't matter. The point is, Dell said, you just keep me, you be my gadfly. You be my, you stab my spirit alive, Mark. You just get me to think. And and I want you to vacation at, at one of my places. I want you to come and think. I want you, I got to do one thing. Forgive one brag, but he says, I lived in Newport Beach back then. And he picks me up in a Learjet, take me over here to Moran. And there's a guy in the back of the plane and I shake his hand and he's wearing a suit. And he's tall, and he's very elegant and handsome. And I shake his hand. He said, Bill Moore. I said, great meeting you, Bill. What are you doing? He said, I've been in the service now for 28 years, Mark. I said, gosh, that's great. You knew you could get out after four, right, or maybe two. He said, yeah, I think I knew that. We get the plane arrives, and I'm behind him walking out. There's a long red carpet, and everybody goes, hello, General. Hello, General. Hello, General. I said, who is that? You don't know who you're sitting with? That's General Bill Moore, four-star general, head of MAC, military air command. I go, oh, my gosh. Next day, he sits in my audience in a front row, 500 people, and is taking copious notes. And I'm going, my God, this guy's got a budget where he spends a half billion dollars a week. And I'm telling him how to slail and how to close and how to do transaction. And he's asking more questions than anyone. And I'm going, wow. And I so at lunch, I say, General, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't see a roster who was going to be in a plane with me. So you were Bill Moore as far as he said, I'm still Bill Moore. I'm your friend for life. I said, why are you taking notes? I mean, you do bigger business than I've ever done. Although I'm part of this airline and helping get some sales internationally in India. That He says, look, Mark, I never heard any of this stuff you taught before, like the erroneous conclusion question, which by the way, just so you know, I'm going to close with that little thing and let you talk again, Tom, but <laughs> My grandkids, you know, they're like, I got six of them, and they all love Grammy and Mimi. And I, I, I say, uh, now you're really 19 years old, aren't you? And they say, Grampy, you know I'm only six. And that's the erroneous conclusion. So they understand they won't fall for stupid. That's what we all got to do is make sure our beliefs don't get sucked in stupid. Is that okay? That's that's awesome. And I think sometimes I think that's what happens in business. I think I think we fall for the wrong conclusion. Someone tells us something and the business just believes it. I see it all the time. You know, everybody else did it that way. So we just march down. They don't question it. And yet the six year old is questioning it going, come on, that's not right. I'm not 19. So uh, we need to do that. I want to dig deeper into these things that you think that executives should how, how executives can be thinking differently. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. 
They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in the world and in business like Mark Victor Hansen. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you listening want to start your own podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And I will add in, I've been working with them for seven years and they are one of the best vendors I've ever worked with in anything I've ever done. They are awesome. So check out podfly.net. All right. So Mark, you want business leaders to think bigger. You want them to kind of get out of the rut. What, what, what does this mean? I mean, is, is, do they need to think more like entrepreneurs? Do they need to think more like entrepreneurs? How should an executive be thinking? Uh, I got three answers to one question. I know that's too much, but in our book, Ask, we finished the book with Ask Bigger Than You Thought You Could Ask because the size of your question determines the size of your result. And one of the questions we have from one of the, the Buckminster Fuller of our time is my colleague and friend, Dr. Peter DeMandis. He started Singularity University, graduated Harvard Med and, and uh, engineering PhD at MIT. So the guy's super bright. And what Peter says is, what are you going to positively do personally to affect 1 billion people during this decade? Now, personally, I'm going to sell a billion books. I'm halfway to goal, and I'm going to finish my goal. So, the, 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 and, and, you know, I own an a alternative energy company called NPC, and, and we do, I'll call them pop-up windmills called Wind Charger, and they go 360 degrees in their urban wind. Well, we're going to do billions and billions in that. We're going to give everybody clean, green, sustainable energy because solar works during the day, 8 to 8, and wind comes up at night at 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and I'm just part of that. So I'm asking everyone to wake up your imagination because there's two parts to you. You've got a brain. Now, brain implodes information, wrote, and that's what we all learn. And a lot of people listening got MBAs, which means millionaire, uh, sorry, masters in business, I want you to have a real MBA. And I wrote a whole book on how to do that to be an entrepreneur, you know, called one minute millionaire, which, oops, sorry, which is a universal symbol of freedom. And it's a great deal. But the point is in, in what I want everyone to do is be an entrepreneur two ways, even inside the corporation. Number one, do a great job. And, and we've helped raise a lot of money for Muhammad Yunus, who's got a hundred million women out of poverty, got a Nobel prize and all that. But he said, then once your business is really humming and making a lot of money and it's got good margins, do a second business inside your business where you just take a small thing, but employ a lot of people and get people out of poverty and teach them prosperity and, and good thinking. And so you don't give them a hand out. We give them a hand up and that kind of iliomazonary, that's a big word, generosity makes everybody water, better off and no one worse off. And let's get 100% of humanity working and get America back to work after COVID confinement cocoon. So, and I love your dedication towards philanthropy, being a humanitarian. You've been on the board of a lot of nonprofits. You've raised a lot of money for stuff like that. Why do you think it's important for corporate America to find ways to give back? Why, why should companies give back? Isn't it all about the bottom line? I love the question. First of all, life is about giving. Life is, you know, in Genesis 128, it says you're made in the image and likeness. Therefore, you're here to do three C's. Create, contribute, and have so much excess that you can afford to be charitable. And and the world has never been in more of a big heap of hurt than it is right now. I mean, we've heard that line before, but I can guarantee you because I'm part of so many things. Like I'm 
co-chairman with my wife of Child Help right now, where we've helped 11 million kids get out of neglect, abuse, and sex trafficking. But the problem has gotten worse during COVID, not better. So, and it's run by two 82-year-old ladies that are just magnificent. They're in our book, Ask, because we, you know, Sarah O'Mara and Yvonne Federson started with Bob Hope, and they saw all these little 11 kids starving and freezing and shivering in their half, half, I got I got to be careful today, racism terms, but they're half American because the soldiers had birthed them and Japan wouldn't let them into orphanages. So Sarah and Yvonne took them back to the Ritz-Carlton with Bob Holmes and said, you're going to help us get the money to feed these guys. They fed them, they housed them. They went down to the orphanage and said, you got to take them. They said, we've got no more room. So they said, if I bring back the whole military to rebuild your whole orphanage, will you take them then? said, yeah. So the girls go out and sing which is what they're there to do anyhow, as USO ladies. You know, they're superstar famous people already. One was dating Elvis Presley at the time, so it was really, you know, Von Federson was dating Elvis. So they, the whole military went crazy. They came and built all the orphanages in Japan right after World War II. Is that wonderful or is that wonderful? No, that is wonderful. And I've heard you speak many times and, and I, I, I have to give you a little piece of credit. I don't know if it was directly you, but I know your message. When I started speaking, uh, gosh, 12 years ago, one of the things I did is I tied the fact that I was just this little business. I was just a solopreneur, but I could give a little bit every time I got hired to speak to a cause. And uh, I did a TEDx talk on this. My TEDx talk is called The Art of Giving Small. And it's about how you don't have to be rich to give back. You don't have to be, you don't have to wait till you're, you don't have to wait till you're wealthy to find a way to do something. And little things over time add up. And my wife and I created a thing called the Kate Singer Endowment for craniofacial research and surgery at the uh, Dell Children's Hospital in Austin, Texas, and then also at the Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. And every time I give a speech, we just give a little bit of money. I mean, I'm not super wealthy, so we give just a little percentage point. However, over the years, through our giving and what some clients have matched and some other stuff, it's over like seventy-five or $80,000 now. And what had happened was my daughter, Kate, who was born, well, she's 19 now, so she was Born 19 years ago. She uh, was born with a condition where the bones in her skull were fused together and it was misdiagnosed. So she ended up with like an elephant man like deformity going on. And when they finally caught it, they realized they could fix it, but we had to do surgery before she turned six months old and they caught it at five months old. And so uh, we, we, found the right doctor and through a series of things we got connected with the correct doctor in San Diego and Kate had the entire top of her skull removed when she was six months old and the great part of that story is we were at the right place at the right time we had the right doctors the bones grew back Kate has you wouldn't know she ever had a problem looking at her she uh you know was top one of the top kids in her high school class she's a sophomore at Dartmouth College uh she's brilliant and we decided early on that we were fortunate so we could do something to give back. And so we call it the art of giving small because it's $50 checks, $200 checks, you know, whatever. But over 12 years or 10 years, it's now become $80,000 towards craniofacial research. And it came from you and some other people who said that you've got to find your way to give back. And so that dawned, that popped into my head while you were talking that I've heard this before. And actually that inspired me to do what we did. Well, first of all, thank you for all that. And I want everyone to catch what he just said. I wrote a whole book called The Miracle of Tithing. And businessmen that don't know what it means says, what's Miracle of Tithing? And I said, you haven't been tithed enough, lady. But it's actually four, even five T's. You got to tithe your time. You got to tithe. First of all, you got to tithe your thinking, which is what you're really doing. You got to buy in. Then your time. Then your talent. Then your treasure. But the big guy says 10% of all of it. And then you got to tithe your thankfulness. 
And because you, you ask what charity does for you, for me, for us, it makes you stand under this spot where all the good things pour out. The spiritual thing in Malachi 3.10 says, prove me now herein, the Lord of hosts, if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you down such a rich reward, you will not be able to receive it. Your closets overrunneth, your cars overrunneth. When you need surgery for your kids, you'll have it. When COVID comes out, you'll know what to do because you'll be told. And what happens is, I'm going to do one more spiritual reference. I have to be writing a biography of the biggest black minister of all time, Reverend Ike, right now, and it's just as, so exciting. But the point is, God's always working in secret, but he only can work for people that want to cooperate with the plan. If you don't cooperate with the law of increase, which is giving, right, and you say, well, I don't want to give. Okay, take your breath and just hold it forever. See if you don't die, right? <laughs> you got to take it and give it. Take and give. Take and give. So, Mark, as we wrap this up, you've had the the honor and pleasure to speak for many major corporations. You've served on the board of many companies. You've been a consultant and a, and a hired coach for many executives. What do you wish every executive knew that when you look out there, you say, yeah, they don't, they don't know this? I wish they knew that every thought creates their future. Therefore, you have got no time to think negative thoughts. If you watch the news and you should only watch a few minutes a night. You got to put up a, a shield and guard yourself against it. And then spend your real seminal time at night is most when the mind is most suggestible to change. Before you go to sleep, you say, go inside the secret place in the most high and say, God, what is it you'd like me to do tomorrow that would be really magnificent? Who can I really serve on my staff? Who can I really serve as our clients? What is the breakthrough idea that we can do? And I'll just give the best example of Elon Musk was told he must shut down his California plant. So not being willing to let anyone put up a stop sign in front of the great Elon Musk, he had to sell all 12 of his houses to stay afloat. He calls up 3M company and says, look, you guys can't make the ventilators fast enough. I have 3D printing. I got manufacturing. I got metal. I got everything. Let me make them for you. And I would do 50-50 split. The guy said, oh, man, you're, you're a lifesaver. So by him giving, it doubled it. But he also somehow made 90,000 cars and became the richest guy in the world. So every one of you out there is going to have withhold. Every one of you got stop signs. Every one of us has detours. Every one of us got something thwarting us. I love that word. And what your job is, is to go inside that secret place and say, there's a solution in here. If I just ASK, I'll G-E-T the answer, and it'll come as an illumination, the solution, and the answer. And I'm going to be ready, and I'm going to be smart enough, because Mark said to do it with his friend Tom, to write down whatever the inner being tells me to do. The divine self me is going to tell me exactly what to do, how to do it, and I'm going to do it. So last question. As we look at, you know, C-level executives shaking things up in business, a lot of these executives now are young. There's a lot of people in their 20s and 30s, the, the millennials and the Gen Zs who are taking over the business world. What do they need to know? Sounds self-aggrandizing, but I wrote a book called The Richest Kids in America, and you had to be over a million by 19. One kid already made 500 million. I'm redoing the book with Elon Musk's partner in PayPal and, and almost every one of his companies, Peter Thiel, who I predict is going to be the first trillionaire because what he's doing, he's paying a $100,000 fellowship to every kid who won't go to college, who will come up with a grandiose idea and work with him and his best people and uh, in the first two years ago, he started out of the first 10 kids, three of them had already become billionaires. So what we've hit for the first time ever is a no limit time in earnings and no limit time. But all those kids got to be taught in addition to all the good business practice, all the technology, 
They got to be taught morals. They got to be taught ethics. They got to be taught good thinking. And they need to say, uh, even though I'm really rich, like we've got some really rich young whippersnappers out there, but they are rejecting understanding there's a civilization and a civilization was built before you and you can't go do stupid. Like we said earlier before, we both watched the movie with Tom Hanks that stupid is as stupid does. You've got to be smart and you've got to be comprehensively smart. That is awesome advice. Well, Mark Victor Hansen, thank you so much for, for gracing us here at Making Waves at Sea Level. If people want to find out more about you, they need to buy one of your 307, and it sounds like there's three or four more coming out soon, uh, books. How do they find information on you? What's your website? Uh, what I want them to do is go to two different websites. I want them to go to askthebookclub.com, askthebookclub.com, and they get to, for free, get to be live. We my wife and I want to teach everyone to become what's called a master asker. And then number two is that I like them. I want every help everybody write a book. And of course you, you can just imagine that I wrote a book called you have a book in you because everyone <laughs> comes up and whispers to me. It's on their bucket list. So we've started the Mark Victor Hansen library. And most people are not as graced as you and I to finally get published. I got turned down 144 times before I, got out all these books but uh, the fact of the matter is we want to help everybody we'll ghost it with you we'll co-author it. we'll do whatever you can do it's a little bit of a pay to play but uh we want to make sure the narrative of the future controls the future therefore if you've got a great narrative and i have yet to meet anyone who doesn't have a story or i can find a story in them no matter what their chronology including my little six-year-old grandson came up to me and said grampy could i write that book with you and he wrote it with us at six years old because he's an unstoppable kid and really precocious. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if anybody knows how to ask questions, it's a six-year-old. Yeah, that's correct. You've gone through that. <laughs> well, again, Mark, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do this podcast? And I appreciate everybody who listens. But most of all, I appreciate the people who go out and tell a friend. As people find me and say, oh, I listen to your podcast. I often say, how did you find my little show? And the number one answer is word of mouth. Their mom, their brother, their boss, their neighbor. Somebody said, hey, you're into business. You'll like this show. Uh, we try to make the interviews fun just like this one. So tune in every Every week, twice a week, where we will interview really cool people who are making waves. All right. So go out there, flex your business muscles, make sure your career ladder is against the right wall. As Mark said, make sure you're chasing that destiny that's inside you, not somebody else's dream. Because you don't want to get to the top of the career ladder and say, uh-oh, I'm in the wrong place. While you're out there, have some fun along the way. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.